friends, and welcome to the dimension of our midnight cake, a weekly transmission from the nexus of realities. I'm Soltis, and joining me are my friends and fellow trans-dimensional beings, Beaches. Guys, the sexual chemistry between Gene and Zero in this film is just frightening. <laughs> Lumberdor. Forgive the pun, he thinks he's funny. <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Gentlemen, I hope you're ready to enter little old lady land. Oh, <laughs> and a special guest, my dad, Paka. When you got to flaunt it, baby, flaunt it. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Thanks. That's so much fun. Okay. The Producers is a 1967 American satirical black comedy written and directed by Mel Brooks. The film stars Zero Mostel, Gene Wilder, Dick Sean, and Kenneth Mars. The story focuses on a sleazy, washed-up Broadway producer and a neurotic accountant who, as part of a scam to get rich, plan to stage the worst theatrical production they can create. They eventually find what they believe to be their ticket in Springtime for Hitler. Written by a Nazi, the play praises Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich. The producers has always been controversial and received mixed reviews when it was released. It has since become a cult classic and in 1996 was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry for being historically, culturally, or aesthetically significant. The producers is 88 minutes long, was filmed on a budget of $941,000, and grossed $1.6 million. If you enjoy our conversations and would like to contribute or contact us, consider visiting our website at ourbinetcake.com, like and subscribe, and share this transmission with your friends. Join us next week for our discussion of the latest Edgar Wright movie, Last Night in Soho. <laughs> okay, so this is another film that that you introduced us to, Paka, and I'm very grateful that you did. It's also another one of those litmus test movies that I'll use. <laughs> oh, what a good term. Ooh. I think it's an accurate gauge of where their sense of humor is and sensibilities are. <laughs> I was nine when it came out. It, it didn't take very long for it to get onto television. And I remember as a little kid watching it with my dad and just loving every moment of it. I know it was, uh, oh my gosh, my, my, my brain just, just froze. Uh, who wrote it and directed it? Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks yeah. Uh, that was his directorial debut. And he got an Oscar for writing it. Even after all the the bad reviews and things, and in '69 he got a he got a, um, an Oscar for best story straight to film, something like that. Speaking of brains freezing, you have no idea how many times I've credited Mel Gibson with something Mel Brooks did. <laughs> <laughs> an That's a Mel, you know. It's a Mel. <laughs> I'll do I'm that. Mel Brooks. I'll, I'll start with. Uh, I'll, I'll get the first name and then. Whatever the one that pops into mind, you know, I have that trouble with Audrey Hepburn and Audrey, uh, um, the other one. <laughs> the one I'm substituting her for, that one. Uh, and you did get, of course, the one line from Mel Brooks where they, what, ADR'd him over that one of the singers during the Springtime for Hitler song. So. Well, that was him actually singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was, uh, 
that was him in the costume and the whole thing. Very young Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> was that Jerry's dad in there? <laughs> it's a Seinfeld question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's. Oh there. yeah. Yeah, um, it, it, you, you know, there's there's that story. I know I've told it a hundred times, but where it was thanks to Peter Sellers that the uh, film was released. It was shelved, and uh, they thought it was in such poor taste. Embassy, I think, was the name of the company that was distributing, and they weren't going to distribute it. And then, uh, and Peter Sellers was aware of the film because I didn't realize this part of the story. Uh, he had originally accepted the part of Leo Bloom. And then, according oh. to Mel Brooks, they never heard from him again. <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> I can't imagine it with as much as I love Peter Sellers. I can't imagine it with him as as Leo Bloom. Uh, that that'd be a whole different movie. Although it'd be interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, it would be a totally different movie with him. Well, well done, Peter Sellers, <laughs> yeah. for getting that released. Yeah, he, he, really Mel's... Sell, he really sold them on it. He was good at this. Selling. Is kind of Mel's first yeah. big thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and um, it was uh, Gene Wilder's uh, second film, his first starring yeah. role. The same year it was made, Bonnie and Clyde was made. And there's where he and his girlfriend get kidnapped and they drive around Bonnie and Clyde for a while. And then when Bonnie and Clyde find out that he's a mortician, they they kick them out of the car, <laughs> <laughs> drive off down the road. And that was his first film. And then this one, same year, He's starring as, you know, Leo Bloom in this film. What a fantastic performance, too. Yeah, I think um, it's the best. He's great. The thing the thing where, like, just at the beginning, we like, is hysterical. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> hysterical that. and wet. Yes, and I'm wet. <laughs> I'm, I'm now hysterical and wet. <laughs> and in I'm pain. In pain. <laughs> hysterical and wet and in pain. <laughs> You're going to jump on me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Changing his character too from what he is initially when he walks through the door um in that first I don't know 10 15 minutes of the movie where uh zero he does does what he does best and changes him to to whatever he needs and uh it's just such a great transformation with Gene Wilder in that in those uh, scenes there I'm not even kidding though as far as I'm concerned they had a meet cute they went on a big date um <laughs> <laughs> Zero totally woos. <laughs> they even have a Titanic moment on top of the building where they're looking out at the, at the sea. <laughs> well, I loved I loved when he was taking him out around town and they come out of the tunnel and he's got like a, a balloon and uh -huh. cotton candy or a popcorn or something. Like a box of cracker jacks. Box of cracker jacks. Yeah. <laughs> the balloon. That, when did they buy the balloon? <laughs> <laughs> this is al fresco the finest <laughs> oh the hot dog cart yes yeah <laughs> tender my compliments to the chef tender half a buck <laughs> you're gonna change everybody's a big shot <laughs> it is a very well written film and and it's well cast I mean, zero mostel is perfect as oh he's so good He's so he's such a sleaze ball. <laughs> he's a lovable sleaze ball, though. Very he lovable is. sleaze ball. <laughs> you you want this thing to work, and you want it to be a bomb, and you want them to take the million dollars and run off to Rio. <laughs> and I'll tell you, every time I see it, when they go back into the theater to see what the whole audience thinks after being in the bar, mm. uh, 
and they come into the theater and the audience is just laughing hysterically. And you see the tears running down Gene Wilder's face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it still gets me, you know, every time. <laughs> it's this close to working too. <laughs> you can't see it, but my fingers were very close together. <laughs> <laughs> Salt is making by the that pinchy, much. tiny motion. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In this movie, everyone's a character and it's such a fun film. I understand why people would not enjoy it. Because of Hitler, of course. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love, I just love the concept that they need to find, they need to put on the worst play ever. Like that's the concept. And you just wonder how will they do that? And then of course <laughs> it becomes about Hitler. I mean, what could be worse than putting on a play that praises Hitler? Well, I've and, heard that this was uh, Mel's way of combating the yeah, Hitlers of and, the world. And in a way, yeah. he's lampooned, because I mean, Mel Brooks, yeah. obviously, Mel Brooks is Jewish, so he is sort of getting his revenge mm. in a way by ridiculing him so intensely. Yeah, there was some article or interview he did years ago, but he uh, basically the only way he could get revenge was at Hitler was through comedy, and, and this was this was his revenge. <laughs> well, and, you know, remember that you have Leo Bloom and Max Bialystok, who are two Jews, mm -hmm. and they're putting on a play about Hitler. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I, I want to say, I saw something saying that his last name was, is the name of a city in Eastern Europe that was like a hub of Jewish culture, uh, the Bialystok. I think that's right. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's littered with but historical goodies like that. Yes. <laughs> point all signs point to screw you. We're gonna make fun of you for an hour and a half. So there's a story, and I can't remember who told it, but he was with uh, Mel Brooks was married to Anne Bancroft, and the fellow who tells the story was with them uh, one evening, and they were in an elevator in a hotel, and this was after the film was finally released, and a woman comes in the elevator, and she recognizes Mel Brooks. And she says to him that uh, she found his film vulgar was the word that she used. And he said, no, madam, it rose far below vulgar was his, <laughs> <laughs> was his response. To Perfect answer. <laughs> wow. It rose far below vulgar. <laughs> there was one of the um, one of the critics said that uh, the, the, he slammed. Uh, Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder is being way over the top in their acting, and it was just, it was, it, it was ridiculous, and this and that. He talks about Gene Wilder's uh, uh, neurotic and and the rest of it, and he said that that Gene Wilder's performance was like Dustin Hoffman being played by Danny Kaye, something like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I... <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> But I mean, you know, you have to look at this is 23 years after World War II. Mm -hmm. My dad was 17 when he went in the war. He was in all three theaters and he was a sergeant and a gunner on a tank all throughout Europe, all throughout Northern Africa and all that. And then was sent over to land in Japan with some of the first waves that were going in there. And then the bomb was dropped and then they came in as, a, as a, an occupying force. And so, and here he was just, I guess, in his 40s or so at that point. And so the war was still very, very fresh. On the Dick Van Dyke show, they had to reference World War I when they talked about, I mean, made jokes about the Germans and war and that kind of stuff. They had to reference World War I because you, you couldn't touch 
World War II yet. And so this thing coming out mm. was, was just huge. That's interesting. Yeah. That's something I was thinking about watching this. I never really put together that it, the people that fought the war were the people that would still be watched, that would be watching this. That was their audience. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I somehow never put it in my mind of like the timing of when it was made to when World War II ended. So really a pretty, a pretty gutsy move to make the movie, <laughs> you know? Well, Very and, and so. being, his, being his directorial debut, you know, often people want to kind of ease into uh, Hollywood and he put on, you know, a stormtrooper boots and stomped all over it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stormtrooper kick line is oh, yeah. that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my, my, my favorite creation of Mel Brooks is um, Get Smart. And somewhere in the commentary for that, he mentions that uh, while he's proud of Get Smart, he didn't want to get too involved with it because even then he had this story in his mind about a couple of producers who were trying to put on a flaw. (laughs) And he just, he knew that's where he was headed. And this was based on, from what I read too, it was based on a real life experience. He knew producer or somebody that was like this that, was racking up all the old ladies around mm-hmm. town and then there was an actual uh i don't know if it was theater manager or what it was but there was there was two different people that he had met so far in his his journey in life that these characters were based off and he kind of combined them into these two characters of um gene wilder and zero musto um in sweden after this this film was such a hit in sweden that until robin hood men in tights so I don't know, dozen movies, um, yeah. however many movies that Mel Brooks made between this one and Robin Hood. Every film they translated, they, they, they translated the name of the film. Instead of the producers, they translated into Swedish as uh, Springtime for Hitler. Mm. And every film that he made after that was Springtime for something. Uh, springtime, <laughs> springtime for history. Springtime for Frankenstein, springtime for, I mean, you, is it springtime for black and white movies, something like that. Uh, I mean, you take anything that he made and reduce the concept to one or two words and put springtime in front of it. And that's <laughs> the way they were, they, they were uh, distributed in that's Sweden. That's funny. It was uh, sort of like the, <laughs> like the National Lampoon's branding of comedies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, there you knew it was a Mel Brooks movie because it started with Springtime. Springtime, until, <laughs> that's great. Until Robin Hood Men in Tights came out, and then he finally asked them, please stop doing this with my <laughs> Oh my, what was Spaceballs? <laughs> Springtime for Space. Springtime for Space. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were all Springtime. Oh. <laughs> awesome. You know, you you look at the rewriting of the movie into the stage play, and then they made a new movie of the stage play. Uh, Matthew Broderick and I can never remember the other Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Nathan Lane. Yeah. And I like both those actors, but they are not Zero Mostel and Gene Wilde. It was made for a whole new generation. They really pushed the gay aspect of it. That it's hysterical, but. It doesn't treat the subject matter the same way the first movie did in 1967. And it doesn't have the same meaning. It doesn't have the same anything. The original movie, for me, it, I watched that and 
I see what Mel Brooks is doing with the subject matter, with World War II, with theater and film production at the time, and, and all that stuff, all the, everything that he touches in that film. And then you watch the new version, it's like, eh, yeah. I feel the same way. I just, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't have that same punch to it. Yeah. I was going to say, like, this movie is pretty, pretty biting. Yeah. Don't you think now they would come up with some way not even to show? I mean, that's going for it. That's that, going that for it. That just wouldn't even show. When, when the dancers go into the swastika formation, <laughs> yes. the aerial shot. And then okay, they, I mean, the and banners is, come down in the back. Who's even supposed too. to see this, like, marching band formation? <laughs> well, the, the people in the balconies, of course. Uh, <laughs> that's something special for the kids at home. <laughs> see, that was that yeah. was a huge thing at the time that you always saw, like on television. The synchronized swimming. Yeah, it's yeah, his it's Lawrence, his Lawrence Welk-inspired swastika. <laughs> yeah, what? That he wasn't Welk. doing those types of shows anymore with dancing girls and musicals. <laughs> oh my god! When they're gosh. his idea, let's go for and it. When, 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 when one the of them had down, like the when, pretzel when the pasties. Down, like what? The? Oh yes. <laughs> That, that's the thing when, uh, when the girls come down with all the things from germany and and one's got you know uh um beer mugs and, and, beer mugs and medals yeah. and you know <laughs> and then the columns come down and their guns on a ship and they fire you know yes. <laughs> i love all the, the giant shots. portrait of hitler <laughs> comes down yeah. all the crowd shots and, during that i just love like they're, they're all just, just like mouth open yeah total shock total <laughs> shock i'm watching i do like that they but, give a moment for the play to be shocking and for the audience to almost get what they were going for yeah and and mm-hmm. like a just a terrible in such poor taste production and then i guess it's the accidental brilliant casting of oh. Hitler of LSD that turning the, on the nose named character LSD that what mistakenly is saves Hitler the show. Didn't say baby. Yeah. Yes. Well, his stellar in, performance in, in the beginning after that whole intro, after the whole opening number, and the audience is shocked, and you have that that pause and it's silent, and then the one little guy gets up and starts cheering. <laughs> yeah. and, and they everybody all everybody turns on him hit them with their playbooks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was us when we saw the rocky and bullwinkle movie in theaters <laughs> only, only wants to laugh at the jokes <laughs> beaches you brought up how today they would probably go to great lengths to not show the swastikas oh to, yeah they've done this with a lot with video they games too come up with different symbols mm-hmm yeah. yeah, that you you understand that this is the Nazis, but you don't have the swastikas, you don't have any of the iconography that's associated with it. It's all it's all different. That's really weak. I don't understand the erasing of history. Yeah, I don't. I I think that it's also important to take some time to uh, experience things that could not be made today. And I, I think that that's a lot of Mel Brooks stuff, like the producers or Blazing Saddles or mm. you know anything like that. And to think about why that is, it bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me yeah. that, that something like, like this. This would, this would to me is just today. so fierce. It's so fiercely original. Like you talk about mm-hmm. it winning like the original screenplay, Oscar, and all that. Like everything's so derivative right now. 
I like try to place myself in the late sixties, like when this was written, you know? Well, yeah. Like today, everything's a, a remake or it's a watered down a remake of something or, else. Yeah. yeah. Some shadow of what was made before. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our midnight cape. We hope you'll visit us again from myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. Thank you, and good night. I was trying to think of a modern comparison, and I, I don't know, maybe Jojo Rabbit came to mind? Taika Waititi's... Uh, you know, the movie about the, the, yeah. the boy and the, the Nazi youth. The Hitler youth. Yeah, yeah, the Hitler youth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one, I I didn't make the connection when I saw that, but I, I think that's true. I think that one, uh, I mean, I, I was surprised that that it was such a Nazi movie, you know, like we were talking about before. You know, that stuff just isn't allowed anymore, you know, unless, of course, you want to punch somebody, and then you can call them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and another director that doesn't mind throwing himself in front of the camera. <laughs> yes. We'd say we're um, uh, Gene Wilder only agreed to do Young Frankenstein if Mel Brooks would not put himself in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>